I'll be reading from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I shall never be shaken. Lord, when you favoured me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Well, what a year. It all started with those horrendous bushfires, the loss of 33 lives, 3,094 homes, 17 million hectares, over 1 billion animals. It started with drought and farmers struggling to grow crops, to feed animals and make ends meet. In January, we prayed and we prayed for rain and relief from the drought and fire. And then COVID hit. The loss of 908 lives, 28,262 people infected, lives disrupted, jobs lost, income diminished, isolation, increased rates of mental illness, eight months of not being able to worship together in person. And this was just in Australia. Around the world, there were riots, political power struggles, countless deaths due to COVID, starvation, and other causes, terrorist attacks, forgotten wars, climate change. Well, the Christmas carol that we sang on Christmas Day sums it up well. But with the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angel's strain have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. And this worldwide pain becomes personal too. The fear of infection, the loneliness of isolation, the grief of losing a loved one, the sense of distance from those we love, the struggle of helplessness when we just want to fix things for people. The distress of losing a job. The challenge of starting a new job and not getting to meet your new colleagues. The weariness from constant change. The carol continues, and those whose journey now is hard 
whose hope is burning low, who tread the rocky path of life with painful steps and slow. Life has been hard this year. In our psalm today, we read that David had had a tough time too. He had been ill, so ill that he almost died. God physically saved David's life from death. But the imagery he uses in verse 3 seems to indicate something more than physical death. This is not just talking about death that brings life to an end. It's a reference to the psalmist living in the shadow of death. This is a rescue from a relentless, devouring tyrant seeking to draw out the breath from the living, luring the living to the pit. Every time we have a cold or feel tired, as we get older or weaker, as we give in to the allure of sin, or feel drawn to the destructive power of addiction, we get dragged down to the place of death, even though we physically live. This life can make us into the walking dead, walking constantly in the shadow of death, for without God, this is our natural destination. Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury, said in his Christmas Day message that 2020 has been the year of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But in reality, this is the potential of every year, not only this challenging year just gone. David has had this experience and so starts the psalm exalting God, lifting up his name, He's grateful to God that he has rescued his health and ensured that there hasn't been a reason for his enemies to gloat over his incapacitation. After addressing and acknowledging God, giving God the credit for his healing, David goes on in verses 4 and 5 to call the people to praise God and to remind them of the character of God. Like in the Lord's Prayer where we pray, hallowed be your name. They praise God's holy name. In other words, they pray that God's name would be made holy or would be honored. This takes us back to the third commandment, that we should not misuse the name of the Lord our God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This is a petition that God would be seen to be holy in the sight of all the world. At the same time that the commandments were revealed to Moses, God proclaims to Moses, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. In this psalm, Psalm 30, David is picking up what he knows of God from the covenant God made with Moses when he redeemed his people from bondage in Egypt. God is just and righteous, and therefore he will respond with anger when his name is dishonored. But he is slow to anger, and his anger only lasts as long as it needs to. 
God is a merciful God, and David is aware that God's love will last a lifetime. We know this too, because through Jesus, God's anger at our sin has been subsumed. And just as God's anger only lasts a moment, so weeping may stay for the night, but only the night. As God's favor lasts a lifetime, so rejoicing will come in the morning. God's people knew how to weep. They had lived in bondage in Egypt. They had wandered in the wilderness. They regularly sinned and walked away from God's ways. They knew lament. But they also had regular experience of God's grace. As time and time again, he rescued them for the sake of his name. Psalm 126 picks up a similar theme. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out with weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I know that many of you also know what it is to weep at night. The darkness brings a heaviness in our souls where it's hard for the light to shine. Notice that the weeping isn't stopped in its tracks, nor the cause of the weeping eliminated. But there is the promise of joy in the morning when the night is over. There is hope. The weeping stays the night. It doesn't move in. It will last a time, but not an eternity. This eternal perspective is picked up by Jesus as he too refers to the time of weeping and mourning in this life that will be transformed into joy when he returns. We read in John 16, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is the time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. Paul also calls us to persevere through the trials that cause the weeping, reminding us that they are transitory compared to the eternal glory that awaits us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we read, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. Each night might still be a challenge, but we have the hope of Jesus' return, the promise that this distress is not permanent, and the experience of eternal glory to look forward to. But the psalmist loses sight of God for a moment. In verse 6, he becomes overly self-confident. He felt secure and started to think he was therefore invincible. 
He could do all things through his own strength. He fell into the trap of Proverbs 1.32. The complacency of fools will destroy them. And the warning of Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21. I warned you when you felt secure, but you said, I will not listen. This has been your way from your youth. You have not obeyed me. When things start to go well for us, we so often forget that it's only by God's grace that this is so. Can you recall a time in your life where this has been the case? What happened? This self-confidence will only lead us in one direction, towards the pit. For as we turn to our own strength, we turn away from God. But David realizes that in reality, his own strength is actually quite shaky and that it is only through God's grace, when God favors him, that he is in fact secure, that his royal throne is firm. When God gives him his way through his self-confidence and hides his face from him, all is made clear. And David is reminded to turn back to God. He repents in verse 10. And when we feel that God has hidden his, haste from, hidden his face from us, do we recall that he is the almighty God? And do we turn back to him following our experience of grief resulting from turning away from him in the first place? Well, verses 8 to 10 give us the crux of the matter. We hear David's prayer when he was near death. And notice, this is not a woe is me prayer. He pleads with God for his life on the basis that if he is dead, what glory will that bring God? David realizes that his purpose in life is to glorify God. And he appeals to God's desire for the nations to know him, for the peoples of the world to turn to God, to see that he is the creator and the sovereign Lord. God had made a covenant with David that he would provide through David a godly king who would reign forever. David trusted in this covenant and knew that God was faithful. He could never call on this knowing that God would honor his life. We see the fulfillment of this covenant in Jesus. As we were reminded at Christmas, Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, was of the line of David. And so in verses 11 and 12, David recognizes that God has turned his mourning into joy so that he might sing God's praises and not be silent. The pit is shown in the earlier verses as a place where God is not praised, where God and his goodness are not acknowledged. This is the opposite of the psalmist's desire to glorify God. David starts this psalm with exalting God's name and ends it in praising God forever, not just in the morning after the weeping has ended, but forever and for all eternity. As we have experienced this year, praise is the lifeblood of the redeemed life of all Christ's people. 
Well, God answered our prayers from the start of the year. He brought rain where it was needed. And he's answered our prayers through this pandemic. He has reminded us of his presence with us. He has developed our reliance on him, removing our ability to rely on our own strength and capabilities. The angels at Christmas rejoiced in the hope that came with the baby Jesus. And so the carol verses in completeness said, But with the woes of sin and strife, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angel's strain have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. The nations still at war hear not the love song which they bring. Oh, hush the noise and cease the strife to hear the angels sing. And those whose journey now is hard, whose hope is burning low, who tread the rocky path of life with painful steps and slow, Oh, listen to the news of love, which makes the heavens ring. Oh, rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. At age 18, Johnny Erickson Tara survived a diving accident, but ended up a quadriplegic. Following her accident, she experienced anger, depression, suicidal thoughts, and she doubted God. By God's grace, Johnny decided to let God use her for his glory. She campaigns tirelessly for those with disabilities and is a prolific author and artist. Now in her 70s, she has survived breast cancer twice and lives with constant reduced lung capacity, regularly requesting prayer for relief for her breathing to enable her to record interviews and talks for her radio broadcasts. Johnny seeks her strength from God on an hourly basis. Johnny's approach to prayer is, um, as she says, I always go by the 20%, 80% way of praying. 20% for physical stuff and 80% for increased faith. An embrace of Jesus and his promises, bright spirits, a singing heart, Sure hope, the ability to endure, patience, concern for others in greater need, and thinking on things that are praiseworthy and true. Well, last week, Johnny contracted COVID. On Christmas Eve, she was given an antibody infusion due to her high risk of progressing to severe COVID-19. Johnny's response to those praying for her was, What COVID meant for evil, Christ meant for good. And it shows in the 80%, 20% way you've been praying for me. My faith has widened. My hopes are higher. My love for Jesus has skyrocketed. My appreciation for others has deepened. And God's promises are cemented further into my soul. This is how Christ meant COVID for my good. And yes, The 20% praying for physical things is working too. My lungs are clear and my temperature is down. Like David, Johnny sees her purpose is to glorify God. She asks the question, what glory will God have from this? The Westminster Shorter Catechism reminds us that man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. 
as we look back to the year past and look forward to the year to come, will we, like David and Johnny, repeat Jesus' prayer from John 12 as he faced his darkest hour? Father, glorify your name. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we exalt your holy name. We are sorry for when we have turned away from you and sought to live our life in our own strength, thus heading towards the pit. Be with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. May we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, knowing that even as we weep and mourn, he will bring joy in the morning. We look forward to his return. As we wait, may we always seek to do, say, and think in ways that glorify your holy name, that we might praise you forever. In Christ's name, amen.